Hello and welcome to Success on Scramble. This is Alvern and you're very welcome to today's episode. Just to let you know, I help women who want to live a life of time and freedom become wildly successful using proven organic marketing strategies. Why? Well, so that they can finally achieve those lifelong dreams with confidence. So if that's something you're looking for, you're in the right place. Now, in today's particular episode, we'll be looking at the ultimate SEO checklist your blog can't live without. Boop, boop, boop. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start off this particular episode with a quote. Successful SEO is not about tricking Google. It's about partnering with Google to provide the best search results for Google's users. That's a quote by Phil Frost. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but I saw it and I decided, ah, that is definitely something I need to include in today's episode. So I hope you absolutely like it. All right. So why I like it so much is because it's it's so simplistic. It's like, it's not about tricking Google. It's about partnering with Google and giving the best results for your, for your users or for your readers. So hopefully that will put um, a sort of a more light and playful experience on the whole SEO thing for people who are afraid of SEO. Okay, so let's get into it. Have you ever wished you had a comprehensive SEO checklist that you can use for creating and publishing blog posts daily, weekly, or maybe monthly? Did you ever find yourself in a situation where you came across an older blog post, or maybe 10, <laughs> that is missing a number of key SEO elements. <gasps> I wouldn't mention what it is. But anyway, you literally checked off everything in your head before clicking the publish button or schedule button. However, a few weeks passed and you discovered <gasps> that the meta description field is empty. Oh, goodness, shock, horror. Maybe you are looking forward to the results of an epic blog post for or three, maybe to rank only to realize that you forgot to update the keyword in the title and description. If you're anything like me, you probably make last minute changes to your blog posts. You were so hot on this particular key phrase. And then at the last minute, you changed it slightly and you forgot to change it everywhere else. <gasps> never happens to you. I know I'm the only person who make those kinds of errors. <laughs> but anyway, the truth is, as a blogger, you are not perfect at all. In fact, you are too busy spinning nine or maybe 10 plates, possibly 11 at once, and to be able to focus on one thing for too very long. Hands up, who can be guilty of that same thing? Uh, me? Okay, I've been in your shoes and I can tell you that it is not your fault that you have so much to do as an entrepreneur. <gasps> who would have known? But it's so much fun. Some small business owners continue to feel lost when it comes to SEO as they believe that they are not doing everything that is required to get awesome results awesome. After particular, after listening to this particular podcast, you will be able to comfortably and confidently ensure, well, you better be, otherwise you need to go and listen to it again, ensure that you create SEO-friendly articles going forward. The goal is that you get 
or you will get the results for your blog, exactly what you need so that you can finally show up in Google for your chosen topic or niche. Are you ready? Okay, let's first look at the anatomy of an SEO checklist. So what is an SEO checklist anyway and why should you even care? Next. Well, a good SEO checklist is one that does the following. Outlines all the required data that Google needs. Gives you the best practices for the sake of your readers. So it's not only about Google, it's all about your readers as well. And number three, helps you to grow your blog or articles in terms of readers and conversions. After all, that's what we're here for, right? The end goal is to get conversions. <laughs> anyway. Essentially, a good checklist should not only give you the boring technical things that your post or article needs, it should also include elements that help your reader to stay longer on your content or even take your desired action. At the end of the day, your content is not on display as a fashion show. <gasps> Who would have known? Well, it is there to achieve business goals. Your content is also there to solve the problem or possible problems your reader has so that they can recommend your resource to a friend. Mm -hmm. I see you nodding. I agree too. Mm -hmm. All right. So before we do any kind of SEO research, which is where most SEO checklists start at the research phase, boom, boom, boom. Don't do any research yet. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do any SEO specific research, there's something I need you to know. So many experts start their SEO checklist focusing on SEO specific research, but I prefer to start where the action is happening. Do you like, don't you like some action here and there? It keeps you from falling asleep. Oh well, depending on your end goal, the best place to start is looking at what is trending or what is normally popular at the time of your content planning. Of course, it is super important to write evergreen content because you put all of this hard work into a post so it makes sense for it to last maybe a lifetime, maybe two, maybe three, who knows. Okay, let's start with the famous Google Trends. A great place to look to see if there's a predictable season based around a specific niche. So I went ahead and I did a search for back to school. I know what you're thinking. <gasps> That's that time of the year. Well, it depends on when you're listening, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I did a Google, a Google Trends search and shock horror. Around August, every year, there is a huge spike. Huge, huge, huge spike. And guess what? Every year, like clockwork, over the last five years, the same thing happens. Boom, boom, boom. Which is great news if you are in a niche that capitalizes or rides the back-to-school wave. So, if you get a chance, head on over to the show notes and I'll tell you the exact place to go. So, you're looking at successunscrambled.com forward slash SEO dash checklist. 
Easy, easy peasy this week. <laughs> Success on scramble.com forward slash SU as in S E and O dash checklist. Okay, so you head on over there. That's the show notes and the blog post. And you'd see all of the stuff that I'm talking about right here in the show notes. So the back to school niche is dependable. It's a very dependable option, except that it is it's very, very se seasonal, which is good and bad. What you can do is do a blend of seasonal and evergreen content. So at least you'll have uh, traffic and sometimes spikes in traffic all year round. All right. Next up, I did a search for meal planning and you will not believe what I found. I mean, it is so hilarious. Super hilarious, actually. <laughs> so I did a search for meal planning in Google Trends. And if you head over to the, the show notes, you're going to see there's a peak, believe it or not, in January every year. I was surprised over the last five years, like clockwork, there's a peak in January every year. And I started to wonder, me planning in January? And then I had what was an aha moment. I remember this thing people call New Year's resolution, where they plan to be really good this year and eat the perfect amount of foods, remain healthy, do all the exercises, and be a changed person forever and evermore. Amen. And then promptly, that, spike, that peak just drops down. But again, as I said, I was so surprised to see it. And guess what happens in December? <laughs> so there's a, a, a down peak and an up peak. In December, the peak is very low. Uh, at probably at its lowest point and in January it's it's at the, the highest point so everyone no don't plan means in December and then there's a huge spike in January hilarious I just thought it was super funny anyway head on over to the show notes success unscramble.com forward slash seo dash checklist so let me ask you a question do you contribute to the, the spike in January every year hmm I know you, I would not be able to hear your answer, but lucky, lucky for you, I'm not hearing your answer today. Next up, we've got Buzz Sumo. If you want to know more specifically where people are looking for meal planning resources or where has great engagement, then you head over to Buzz Sumo. And I have a screenshot again in the show notes and you can see that they, I have four examples or four results, should I say. And in the four results, you would see the, the actual shares or engagement on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Reddit, and the number of links linking to that particular post, as well as the evergreen score and the total engagement overall. And I'll, I'll tell you what I'm seeing here because obviously this is a podcast. The first one has a keto, uh, keto diet menu, a seven-day keto meal plan for beginners. Shock horror. The next one is Instant Pot Lazy Lasagna, Meal Plan Addict. Third result is Low Carb Bacon and Eggers, Meal Plan Addict. The next one then is 7-Day Low Carb Sugar Detox Meal Plan to Fight Weight Gain, Type 2 Diabetes. And of those four, three of them have outrageous shares, like over 100,000, 200,000, 800,000 shares on Pinterest and the very last one, the seven day low carb sugar detox meal plan actually has 81,000 shares on Facebook 
and only 1.4 thousand shares on Pinterest. Very strange. And what actually struck me about uh, these uh, articles in terms of the date that they were published, two of them were published in August, one was published in December and the other in January. Hmm. Points to ponder. So as you can see, as you've, or as you've heard, it gives you what kind of topics are popular and on which platforms. So what I, what I liked about this is that there's a variety. So if you want to go into the meal planning area, you can talk about low carb, you can talk about sugar detox, you can talk about instant pot, and you can talk about keto diet. Never mind that uh, many of them contain keto. But, but I think, let me see how many of them. At least two of them had um, low carbs, low carb written in it all over. So next up, we are going to look at trending on Pinterest. So head on over to Pinterest if you had an audience there to see to see exactly what's trending on that particular platform. And at, at the time of this particular recording, I did a search in the trending areas and Pinterest. If you know what that, know that is, you go to Smart Feed and just click the mouse in the search bar and you would see a sort of a drop down and you scroll along to the area called trending ideas. And at the time of this particular recording, we've got funny texts, back to school, life quotes, living room ideas, Harry Potter memes, wallpaper iPhone, which I can never get. I don't know why people are so crazy about wallpaper iPhone, but anyway, <laughs> baby shower and engagement rings. So you can see that there is a lovely wide variety. It isn't a specific area per se. Um, and if you are in any of these particular niches, you can take advantage then of one of these and uh, publish your content on Pinterest. So it, if it's possible that none of these relate to your niche at all, and what you can actually do is tweak one to complement your niche nicely. So let me see if I can give you a very good example. Uh, in the back to school area, you and if it is you, you don't cover anything at all about back to school. Like if you're in a niche, niche like mine, then uh, it's kind of hard to to do the uh, the back to school. But if you have any sort of a funny uh, text that a colleague sent to you that's business related, you can use a funny text one. Life quotes are really good because it sort of covers um, majority of niches. Um, baby shower could be good, like how to throw baby shower at work, for example. Engagement rings could be a good one um, because you can talk about um, in the sort of more difficult niches how an engagement getting an getting an engagement proposal is very similar to a business proposal or you know something like that. Um, you can sort of ride that wave or that trend. Okay, so hopefully that sort of gives you a little bit of ideas as you're saying, oh, like none of those things apply to you, but you know you can ride that wave and take advantage of what's happening or trending at that particular time. But be, be constantly mindful that you don't want to be consistently riding waves that aren't evergreen. Like, for example, uh, engagement proposals happen every year and will probably happen. I don't know if people will, will, will not have engagement rings at any point in time. So that can, can be seasonal, but evergreen. Um, because, you know, 
it will come wrong every year. There's an engagement proposals, especially in December, Christmas time, New Year's, etc. All right. So next up, we've got trending on Twitter. So head on over to Twitter if that is your audience and see what's happening there. So I did a search on Twitter and I specifically looked on uh, the time I looked at it actually because based on the screenshot, if you head on over to success on scramble.com forward slash SEO dash trackless, you'll see that I actually did the screenshot on a Tuesday. Um, and when I look at the trends, the top four, the top five trends contain um, topics or hashtags relating to Tuesdays. So you go over to um, twitter.com. You can do it on the search if you know exactly what you're looking for, but you might need to log into your account, account and then click on trends and then choose whichever country you want to see trends for that particular country or the country that you're in, you decide. So number one of the trending was hashtag Tuesday thoughts. Sorry, hashtag Tuesday thoughts. Uh, number three was hashtag Tuesday morning. Number two was Moscow Mitch McTreason. I don't know what that is about. I have no idea. Sorry, guys, if I just sound really dumb by saying I don't know what that is. Um, but Tuesday, but number three was Tuesday morning, hashtag Tuesday morning. And then number four was hashtag Tuesday motivation. And number five was something that didn't make sense to me. It isn't actually a word. It's like a code. And again, I'm sorry. I mean, when you head over to the show notes and you see what's a number five and my screenshot, you'd probably think that I'm really dense and not knowing. I just, I, I try not to spend too much time looking at what's happening in the news. Uh, if only stuff that I need to know, uh, so to speak. And number six is Haley Morales. All right. So uh, you can find clever ways to take advantage of these trends. Like, for example, you can have a Motivation Tuesdays. I know there's a Motivation Monday. Um, and you can have a Tuesday Tots. You can, every Tuesday, for example, to put out a Tuesday Tots, um, something that you've discovered, felt, some sort of life experience, etc., and ride that wave so that you can get uh, grow your followers and uh, grow your readers on Pinterest. All right. Okay, so that is more or less the end of all the exciting sort of searches, <laughs> for want of a better word, because now we're going to go into SEO research. Oh no, the boring topic. I actually don't find it boring. I find it very exciting. And I hope, I hope that by the time you finish this particular podcast, you find it super duper exciting. <laughs> anyway, so now that you feel you have a feel for what's happening around you as well as where you can comfortably ride the wave, it is time to look at keyword research using a few popular tools which are mostly free. So in this one, I have all the examples I have here are free tools. And even using free tools, probably because I've been doing this for years, I've seen so many gems and I know I can't really ride, take advantage of it because I'm not in that niche. Um, so I did research for the term low carb, surprise, surprise. And these are the results that I got in using uh, keywords everywhere. So first off, what you need to do is head on over to uh, keywords everywhere and open it in the Chrome browser. I think it works in other browsers as well, but I prefer to use it in a Chrome browser and uh, install the, um, the extension in your Chrome browser and then do a search for um, 
low carb. Well, I've, I've done a search for low carb, um, but you can do research for whatever um, generic topic that you're looking for. It could be keto, it could be sugar detox, it could be whatever, whatever your particular um, area is. And the results I get that I got at the time, again, you can head on over to successonscramble.com forward slash SEO dash checklist. And you would see um, I have about eight results there, including low-carb foods, low-carb snacks, low-carb fruits, low-carb vegetables, etc., etc. It shows the search volume, the cost per click, and the competition. So if the competition, uh, as you see in the corner there, is less than one, maybe less than five, less than 0 0.5, you know, all of those are really good uh, keywords to go after. I then went, so in the keywords everywhere, you have two sections on your right-hand side. One is called related keywords. So those results that I just called it, they are in the related keywords section. And the other is, I'm going to name here, is in the people also search for section. Okay. So here's a list of what I found in the people, all people also search for section. Uh, with many of them coming in less than 0 0.1, 0 0.5, 0 0.0, sorry, sorry, 0.01, 0.02, 0.07, 0.03, etc. And you can see they've got an amazing list. And uh, if you get a chance and head on over to the show notes, you'd see that there is one in the uh, results called carbs in parsnips. I know that is a very, 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 very specific um, key phrase that someone will be searching for, but surprise, surprise, there are 3,600 people searching for that every single month, which is I'm baffled by. And the competition for that is zero, which is a really, really good keyword to go after because uh, there's lots of searches and little to no competition at all for that particular key phrase. So it helps you to get really granular as to what specifically. So, so like low-carb fruits and low-carb vegetables doesn't really tell you a lot. But when someone types in uh, carbs in celery, carbs in milk, no-carb snacks, carbs in parsnips, net carbs in peanut butter, that's very, very specific. And you can literally write uh, content for those so you, you have a big umbrella of a whole section of your website that deals with uh, low carbs in fruits, low carbs in vegetables, low carbs in snacks, that kind of a thing. And then you go into some very specific posts on those and you can rank very, very easily for those that have less than 0 0.05 in terms of competition. All right. So that's the keywords everywhere example. We're going to head on over to Twitter. I know this is going to be something very strange. What is she doing looking in keyword, looking at Twitter for keywords? Well, you will be surprised at what I found. Are you ready? <laughs> I did a search for low carb, hashtag low carb uh, on Twitter. And what I found was a post by uh, someone that says, uh, could poss possibly be a doctor or someone in that area or nurse or something. And she says, look at this for a graph of the week. My 79-year-old patient was so chuffed when I phoned him to say his HB1, sorry, HbA1c is the lowest it's ever been. And I thought that was interesting because th there may be people who 
uh, who have uh, who probably went to a doctor or, or specialist and got back the results and they're constantly looking at the HbA1c levels which I've never heard about before until I was doing research for this particular podcast and you're probably thinking what on earth is HbA HbA1c I have no idea but it seems to be something that measures um carbs in someone's diet or someone's bloodstream uh, she goes on to say he's cut sugar and dramatically reduced starchy carbs so I for example cut sugars out of my diet which is great news and I haven't cut carbs out of my diet just yet <laughs> don't think I will because uh, I'm not on a low carb diet to be honest I just wanted to cut the sugars out of my diet um but yeah so she is uh chuffed that her patient had a, a huge drop in his HbA1c and it could be something that if it is you are in the low carb niche you may want to consider writing something about so many cool tips and tricks on this podcast today are you excited <gasps> okay you can probably tell that i absolutely enjoy researching topics trends and key phrases it's just something i just enjoy doing okay next up we have <laughs> uber suggest so there's a saying you get what you pay for i believe this will be so true when it comes to keyword research tools for example uber suggest is 100% uh, free but it's not 100% reliable um, but you know you can give you a feel for what it is happening in, in a specific niche and yes I went into uber suggest and put in the key phrase low carb I got a result of 14,800 searches a month and with an SEO difficulty of 52 or a search difficulty of 52 so that's a very hard keyword to go after, but the possibility exists that you can rank for it depending on your strategy. And I, I, I talk about something like this in my more advanced uh, course, uh, my traffic course. So if you're interested in, in you know, geeking out on uh, searching for the best keywords and knowing which ones to rank for, you can take advantage of my traffic boost membership. So head on over there and have a look at that. So... In that search result, I got things like low-carb diet, low-carb foods, low-carb recipes, low-carb snacks, okay? And those that I've mentioned there so far, low-carb bread, low-carb bread, okay? Uh, those that I mentioned so far um, have very, very high search volumes and quite difficult to rank there in 60, 65, 42, 72, etc. Um, but at the bottom of the list, we have low-carb fruits, which has quite reasonably high search volume, 49,000, and low-carb vegetables, 49,000, and their search difficulty is 30 or less. But hang on to your hats, because I've got more news for you. So it would appear that there are a lot of opportunities when it comes to writing content about low-carb fruits and vegetables. And finally, here's a list of low-carb topics that other people have written in the low-carb niche as well as the level of engagement on each of those particular posts. So I pick out a few of them. So if you go into Uber Suggest, you you get um, the searches for the keyword. Then you'd also get um, the sort of top, I guess, seven um, most popular articles, uh, their backlinks, um, their shares or engagement on Facebook and Pinterest. So number, I'll just pick out a, a, a couple of them. Low-carb jalapeno pop chicken is number one. And 
it has over 800,000 reshares or pins on Pinterest and 16,000 in engagement on Facebook. At number three, we have Crockpot Low Carb Lasagna Recipe. That one got over 650,000 shares on Pinterest and 4,000 uh, shares of links, likes, engagement on Facebook. And then we have, let's see if I can get a good one here for you. Um, I guess this is kind of popular right now. The best low-carb cauliflower pizza crust recipe. That one got over 500,000 shares on Pinterest and over 6,000 engagements likes on Facebook. All right. So those are the sort of giving you an idea as to what people are writing about and, you know, what's getting engagement as of today, as of now or just in the, in the not too distant past. So if you're thinking of getting into the low-carb niche, but you were unsure of what content to write, this should help you by leaps and bounds. Okay. So now that we have that, let's look at to, to do on-page SEO checklist. So now we're actually getting into the checklist section of this particular episode. I know you're probably thinking, when would she ever just give me the checklist? You probably have a pen and paper to hand. Bear with me as I power through these. Okay, I have to tell you that there are over 20 of them on the list. So are you ready? All right, so when you've completed writing your article, here's a list of things that you want to consider before hitting the publish or schedule button. Primary key phrase. If your topic was about low-carb, then it is important to choose a primary phrase that is not very comp competitive. The search difficulty uh, should be below 30 if you want to get quick results, or if you're using the keywords everywhere, the competition should be less than 0 0.05 uh, so that you can rank quite easily for that. Uh, number two is secondary key phrases. Choose a handful of phrases that will easily complement uh, the primary key phrase. So if your main keyword is, say, low-carb fruits or low-carb vegetables or low-carb snacks or one of those, uh, then you'd want to go in and uh, look for some secondary phrases that complements with the primary one. And I've actually done a search for um, low-carb vegetables. And this is what comes up. So obviously, we know low-carb vegetables... Uh, in the in the pre previous example, had about forty nine thousand search volume, and a search difficulty of thirty. But when I actually look for at low carb vegetables, the complementary key phrases that come up are like low carb foods high in protein, low carb foods less low carb diet. Sorry, low carb foods diet, low carb foods higher in fiber, at low carb foods printable list. Now, believe it or not, these are have um, search difficulties of seventeen, thirty four, eighteen, eleven. Uh, low-carb vegetable list, for example, has a, a search difficulty of, uh, or SEO difficulty of 11. So, as you can, as you can hear, you can, the, um, the options there are endless. So you can use, especially, it depends on, as you can see, you can, you can flip the content any which way you want. You can decide to go for low-carb vegetables as your key phrase, and then, add low-carb foods list. So the list of vegetables that are low-carb, maybe uh, pa um, parsnips, peanut butter. What are the other things that people are looking for uh, in the f in the previous um, example that I gave? 
So have those to hand and make sure you add them. So you add your primary as well as your secondary or complementary key phrases into, you know, sp sprinkle them throughout your content. Up next, we've got quality content. Oh, an important thing to consider is if you have done your best to create a heart-stopping, eye-popping article that would grab your reader's attention. Is there anything else that you can do to 10x the user experience when they read your article? Hmm. Something to consider. Yeah, it's all about the user, right? If you, if you wow the user, they will stay longer on your content, which means you get higher search rankings, which means you can end up on page one. Woohoo! Air pumps. All right. Okay. <laughs> Next up, we have answer all questions. I know that might not sound uh, plausible, but bear with me. When a reader clicks through to your article or your post, they've got a lot of questions floating around in their head as they engage with your content. The trick is you, for you to anticipate what those questions might be and answer them as, a, as comprehensively as you possibly can. So you might be looking for, someone might be looking for low-carb vegetables and they might be thinking, ah, I wonder which one of these low-carb vegetables are good for dinner or breakfast or um, which ones I can buy organic or, you know, they might have all sorts of questions just floating around in their head. You almost have to be a, I guess, fortune teller <laughs> to predict what questions they're going to ask. But try, try your hardest and answer and pr sort of predict what, what sort of questions they want answered when they're looking for low-carb vegetables, for example. Next up, we've got the Yoast SEO plugin. So I've completed this uh, tutorial for the Yoast SEO plugin a good, good while ago. It's a great add-on to help you alongside with your SEO checklist, uh, uh, especially if you're using WordPress.org for your blog. It is such a great way to keep your on-page efforts on track. I have a resource I can mention that goes through the Yoast SEO plugin tutorial. I've left a link in the show notes. You can head on over to successonscramble.com forward slash SEO dash checklist and you'll see a link in the show notes there that will take you to the Yoast SEO plugin tutorial where you can learn about the, you know, how to best use that uh, Yoast plugin and get the best results for your blog posts or articles. Okay, next up, we've got dark text on white background. So as a rule of thumb, if you want to maintain a great user experience, it would be best to use dark text on white background. Okay, so let me let me just emphasize this. White text on, on dark backgrounds really suitable for gothic kind of websites. So maybe doing something around that kind of theme. But other than that, when you open a book, I don't know if you when last you bought a book from Amazon.com, when was the last time you bought a book and you open the page and it's black back pages with white text i mean <laughs> it just doesn't happen right so as a user as a reader readers expect that your website will be the same as a book because it's technically like reading a book it's the same with the kindle the kindle um white or the kindle any of those kindle devices or your mobile phone 
it's rarely ever white text and black background. It's always the opposite way around. So to keep your users and readers happy, when your mobile, your users come over to your website or your blog or whatever, it should be dark text on a white or bright black background. The moment your reader, your reader needs to struggle to read your text, you've lost them. And that's the end of that reader. Okay, next up, we've got link to external reputable sites. You may get emails every week from people looking for you to add a link to your content in exchange for a freebie. <gasps> I get them almost every week and I just like freak out, leave me alone. <sighs> I no longer respond to them. I've left information in my contact information saying, if you're looking for a link back to your website in exchange for a freebie, please don't contact me. And they still do. I don't know. They don't understand that it's not adding value for my readers. So point in case for you is one of the things that will actually help you with your ranking is for you to link out naturally to websites, well-known websites, you know, like Alexa, Wikipedia, and um, Salesforce, you know, well-known, reputable websites. Don't find yourself linking to people you've never heard about and then guess what happened? Their websites just disappear and so does your link and your link will be a broken link. So try your best as much as possible to link to reputable websites, websites that will be there for a long time. I know you're probably thinking, but some companies get, some companies actually get uh, acquired or bought up and everything. Well, that's another story. Nothing you can do there. Like Adobe's buying up all these um, smaller companies like crazy. And that's fine. But as much as possible for the time being, just try and link to reputable websites as much as possible. Okay. Up next, we've got place one to, one to three sentences together, not four, five, and six, and 10 <laughs> for easy reading and to give your readers some momentum is recommending that you have lots of white spaces in between your lines. So try not to have like 10 sentences all jumped up together in a huge chunky paragraph. Space them out, you know. Head over to my show notes and you'll see I have spaced out everything there. So it's easy to read and it gives the reader a momentum when they're reading it. Two lines or three lines at a time, not not anything more. Um, but yeah, that just helps with user experience. And um, when it helps with user experience, it means that the user stays longer on your website uh, which also means, guess what? You get higher rankings as well. Next up, it's link to existing content. When you get, that is internal content, should I say. When you get uh, to a point of having like over 100 blog posts, you start getting, forgetting your first 50 or so blog posts. Like if you ask me now, what is my first 50 blog posts? Mm, I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you. What is about? I know one of them is at least LinkedIn, and that's about it. Uh, so one of the secrets to getting your existing blog posts to show up in Google is to link to them. Um, you know, otherwise, if you're not linking to them, they tend to drop off in terms of their rankings. Yes, you should also refresh and update your content. But for now, uh, link to them so the readers can actually visit them as well. So like I've linked to my, in the previous example, I linked to the SEO, um, news SEO plugin tutorial. It's the same concept. And I wrote that ages ago. I think that's probably one of my first 50 blog posts. Okay, outline problem. 
If you are a regular reader of mine or listener, you know that I like to talk about problem solving and transformation. The purpose of your blog, apart from content marketing, is to, to, I didn't hear you, say it again, (laughs) to help your reader to solve a problem. So it makes sense to highlight that problem in the first or at least the second paragraph of your blog post. If you don't highlight the problem, then why are they there? Hmm. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Use font size of 16 to 18 pixels. To give your, re- your reader the best experience possible in terms of engaging with your content, it is important to consider the size of the text on the page. I know I mentioned this previously, but I have to mention it again because... This is going on an SEO checklist. I know that only, I only mentioned it, um, I think it was only last week anyway. Um, but your reader, when they come over and they have to get a magnifying glass to read your content, then something you need to consider in terms of increasing the font of the text on your, on your website. Keep your reader on your post for at least three minutes by ensuring that the text size of font is between 16 to 18 pixels in size. Link existing content to new posts. I am guilty of this one, only on a few occasions, not necessarily every time, but I discovered a really quick way to find places where I can create an internal link. I know it's so hard when you've gotten to a size, a, a a website that is a certain size, it's so hard for you to go back and find a way to link to a post that just goes live. For example, when this one gone gone live, now I have to go back and find something that sort of relates and I can link back to it. You simply go to the post page. So you know very well, you can see a a list of all your posts. I call it the post page. And you you go there and you go into the search bar and you can do a search for your primary or secondary key phrases. I've left a screenshot in the show notes. You can have a look at that. And you can you can be free to do a partial search as well. So last week I did one on uh, blogging mistakes, for example. So all I did is I did a search for mistakes. And lo and behold, I found two places where I can link to my brand new, fresh off the press blog post. Um, so for example, if you're looking at the low carb option, if your site is all about low carbs and that kind of thing, you can do a search for the phrase carb, um, or low carb, and then you can then amend it to low carb vegetables, for example, or low carb vegetable list or whatever it is. Uh, but I hopefully, hopefully you get the idea. Next up, fully understand user intent. So one of the secrets Shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) To getting readers to gobble up your content is to ensure that you fully understand the user intent. A big reason why you have high high bounce rates, that is your readers stay less than 30 seconds on your content, is that the content is irrelevant or not relevant. Spend some time looking at the other results for that chosen key phrase. So you head over to Google, you type in, look at vegetables for example and you look at the first five or six results and click into them and see what they're talking about what what is it that got them to rank in the first five positions um what is the reader is looking for and ensure that you know the kind of answers a reader is expecting to see on the page don't write only what they're expecting but wow them take it to another level 
give them more than they, what they were expecting. And then you can beat the competition. Oh, that's up next, actually. <laughs> give more solutions. Another cool tip is to try and give more solutions in your blog post compared to your competition. So if your competitor, a competitor is giving seven suggestions on their low-carb food list, then you should give think about giving them maybe 10 or 11. The whole point is that you want to be unique compared to your competition. All right. Use paragraphs with SEO-optimized subtitles. When writing a blog post or article, ensure that you include as many smaller paragraphs as possible. So no huge, chunky three paragraphs of like 1,000 words each. <sighs> that just doesn't make sense. Break it down into smaller paragraphs. Each paragraph will help your reader to find the information they are looking for easily, and it will also improve the user experience. It is in a, an enormous opportunity to, for you to use primary or secondary key phrases as the subtitles of those paragraphs, as they will help you to rank your content much quicker. Next up, we've got write a click-worthy worthy method description. So one of the things that will help you get rank, higher rankings apart from low bounce rates is an envious click-through rate. Let me explain. What this means is so that you don't feel overwhelmed, your meta description should be so enticing that readers cannot help but click to read more. Just in case you're whole brand new to this whole SEO thing, I've left a link in the show notes where I have done a, a resource on SEO for beginners, so I wouldn't have to keep explaining what things are. Um, but your meta description anyway should just in, should sound like uh, almost like an ad. So anything higher than one percent is okay. So when you go to the search, the Google Search Console, and you look at your results, and you see uh, that you've got your ranking, say for example, number ten for a particular keyword, and you notice that your your click through rate for that keyword is say uh, 0.69 or 0.93, you might want to consider changing that meta description with that bit, that, that summary that you see whenever you see all the recent re results in the Google. Uh, you know, give it a little bit of an oomph so that people will click through it more. So 1% or, or more is, is, you know, good. But an average click-through rate of 30%, say between, yeah, maybe 6, 6 to 30% is, is not uncommon if you do a really good job of your meta description. Write it like an advert, like if you're advertising people to come in through. It mustn't sound cheesy, <laughs> but it must address their problem. Make sure you include the key phrase in the meta description. Google will rank you, yes, for a lot of other key phrases, but your main, your primary key phrase should be included in your meta description. Uh, it is still important to indicate to Google what primary key phrase is by placing it in the meta description. All right. Speaking of clickworthy, we're going to be looking at the formulate formulating clickworthy titles as well. So the reason why people will click through to your result on the first page, I know you get to the first page because you're going to follow the instructions here. Anyway, the reason why you get good click-through rates on the first page of Google is number one, your meta description is uh, clickworthy and Number two, your title is clickworthy. 
So there's a big difference between clickbait and clickworthy. When you click over to a post and find the content is disappointing and misleading, that is clickbait. <laughs> However, when the content delivers what the title mentions and a whole lot more, then that is clickworthy. Using the following tools, you can develop really lovely clickworthy titles. I must mention, be careful, be careful of number three. So number one is AMA Headline Analyzer. Number two is Core Schedule Headline Analyzer. Number three is Portent Headline Generator. That one tends to make a lot of clickbaity headlines, so be careful. I still use it because it gives me inspiration um, as to, you know, what I can, can or cannot include or what I should consider. Number four is the Sumo Headline Generator. Now, that one is kind of quite comprehensive and it's not as automated as the AMA or the Co-Schedule Headline uh, Analyzer. All right, next up, we've got use the primary key phrase in the title. So you might have an amazing title and oops, shock horror, you forgot to include the, the primary key phrase. Don't do that. Make sure you include it. It is so easy to get excited about generating a click-worthy title that you can easily forget to include it, that particular key phrase in the title. <sighs> I know. How can you make it sound good? Well, your first few attempts are going to be so awkward. But then you'll realize over in the next few weeks or months, you'll soon notice that you would have become a pro at creating amazing titles. People will be banging at your door and asking you and hiring you to create titles for them as well. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Up next, we've got word count. Doo -doo -doo. This has been one of the most, the most contested topics among bloggers. Over 10 years ago, the minimum accepted keyword count was 100. I know, scary. <laughs> now, the minimum is about you know, 350 to 500 words. However, think about this question. What is your end goal? Is it just to get content published? To satisfy the Google gods? Or maybe to get ranked? Or maybe it is more readers. <laughs> well, depending on your goal, you want to consider a few important things. In a recent study done by Brian Dean, uh, in conjunction, I think, with HubSpot, I believe it was. So Brian Dean of Backlinko, just in case you don't know who Brian Dean is. They analyzed over 900 million blogs and they found that long-form content gets more backlinks than short articles i.e. if you write amazing content that is long, people will tend to reference your website as an authority based on that particular topic. Hence, you get these things called backlinks. Now, I have included a graph of Brian Dean uh, from Backlinko's study in the show notes. Head on over to successonscrambled.com forward slash SEO dash checklist. And you would see that between zero and a thousand words gets about two links. A thousand to, 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 a thousand to uh, one thousand to two thousand words gets about three. 
2,000 to 3,000 words gets, mm, or three and a half, and about 3,000 to 10,000 words, and I know that's a huge, big gap, 3,000 to 10,000 words, gets about four links or referring domains, people who will actually link to that particular content. So the difference between two and four, I think it's huge, especially if those links coming from juicy websites that have high domain authority, it's all well worth it. Trust me. So he went on to show that 2,000 words seem to be the accepted average. If you want your post to get loads of social shares, try to aim for 2,000 words on your blog post. Except, of course, in the case where, you know, you write, you do recipes or anything like that that doesn't require a lot of writing, then obviously you can't write 2,000 words. But if your niche lends to lengthy writing, then by all means, do it because you want your blog po- your blog to be around for like 10, 20 years, 30 years, possibly. Ah, all those juicy details inside of your blog post. Okay, before we get distracted, next up we've got primary key phrase in URL. So remember that it is important to include your primary key phrase in the URL as it also indicates to Google what your post is about or your article even. It is at first important to ensure that your permalink structure is set up correctly initially as shown in the diagram in the show notes. Just in case you miss this, I covered this already in a previous podcast. But for example, my uh, permanent permalink structure is mydomainname.com forward slash postname. Um, so you want to make sure also that the postname isn't too long. So if you have a very long title, like mine tend to be, when you've gone and generate those lovely click-worthy titles, try and include just the key key phrase. So like I said, mine for this particular, um, the show notes for this particular podcast episode, successunscramble.com forward slash SEO dash checklist. That's it. I didn't include the whole long name, the ultimate SEO checklist, that blah, 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 blah. No, I just did a very short version of that um, because it appears much nicer in mobile phone searches and it, it ranks easier. It just, it just, Looks better, full stop. Once your permalink structure is set up correctly, you just head on over to permalink section on the edit screen of your WordPress um, post and update it like how I did. Very short and succinct. And you see some screenshots again in the show notes. Optimize your images is up next. It is essential to optimize the name of your images before placing them on your article or blog. So instead of giving your image a random name like 3nhiga.jpg or PNG, you can label it using either the primary or secondary key phrase when it makes sense. So for mine would be seochecklist.png or .jpg, for example. Uh, You'll also want to include the alt tags where it makes sense. So I've included again a a screenshot in the show notes. So all tags is just alternative text and it helps the spiders to read what your image is about. So the alternative text, for example, if my image name is seochecklist.jpg, the alternative text will be seo space checklist. So it's just an alternative way for, you know, the image to be read just in case because, you know, 
not every bit of technology can actually read images. So at least they can be able to find images and images also become very, very highly searchable. Just in case you didn't know. Include a call to action. We are almost there. Depending on the goal of your blog post, you may find it makes sense to include a call to action at the end. The goal of every blog post, yes, apart from content marketing, is to solve a problem for the reader. Solving that problem may include giving them something like an SEO checklist <laughs> that they can download and use on a regular basis. Now, market your blog post is up next. After your post goes live, remember to give it the initial boost of eyeballs by sharing it on social media platforms. These social signals let, let Google know that your post is considered important and worthwhile. Likes, shares, and followers, etc., are like votes of confidence. So if nobody's voting for your blog post in social media, then you may not you notice that it may not get ranked as well as you'd want it to. Last on the on-page check SEO checklist section is revisit and optimize. After four to eight weeks, take a look and see how your post is performing against your goals. Are you getting signups, for example, or are you ranking on page one? Is your post ranking on the first five pages of Google search engines? If it is on the second page, what can you do to nudge it to page one? I cover all of this in my signature course, the Traffic Boost Membership. So if you want, you can check that out. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you can do something like create a, a, a YouTube video and link to that post that's ranking on page two, which will nod you forward, uh, which should nod you forward to page one, unless, of course, there are other factors at play. Check to see if it is also ranking for other key phrases that you did not consider at the time of ranking and include those. All right. So the off-page check SEO checklist section only has one point. You'd be happy to know. Depending on the search difficulty of a keyword, you may want to consider doing some guest posting and YouTube videos to get backlinks to your blog post, like I mentioned before. If you are not a fan of guest posting or guest blogging, then, su then I suggest that you try and rank for key phrases that have search difficulty of less than 30. Doing this will make it a whole lot easier to get rankings for more difficult key phrases. Like I said, you can also do YouTube videos linking directly back to those posts or pages that are on, say, on page two. If you're on page five and you've been there for a long while, you can try the YouTube video trick, um, but there are other things that you can do, which I cover in my signature SEO course. <gasps> Right, so as you can see, the process of creating an SEO-friendly article sounds a lot harder than it re is in real life. In fact, after you optimize a blog post for SEO a few times, it can become very straightforward, except you will still need an SEO checklist because of the sheer volume of things that you need to remember. You may notice that I have not included a number of advanced techniques because, well, I did not want this to be an overwhelming experience for you. At the end of the day, you can use this as an SEO checklist template to get every single blog post ready and ripe for ranking every single time. So over to you. What has been your experience with SEO checklists? 
Okay, so remember to subscribe to the Success Unscrambled podcast where you will be the first to hear about what's happening in the entrepreneurial and digital marketing world. Your positive review of this particular podcast is vital. I couldn't tell you how vital it is to keeping it alive and running for the next 12 to 24 months. So please leave a positive review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast players. If you are brand new to search engine optimization, then feel free to check out the resource that I have, the SEO for Beginners resource. I've left a link in the show notes. And again, the show notes can be found at successonscrambled.com forward slash SEO dash checklist. Are you trying to improve your ranking positions in Google? Then may I recommend the Rank Higher in Google resource. A link again is there in the show notes. If you are in the mom bug niche, uh, then you may want to check out the SEO for mommy bloggers post where you'll see it from a whole new perspective. If you are a startup or small business and you need to hire a virtual assistant to complete tasks such as social media, marketing, blogging, keyword research, or Pinterest account management, then take a look at the packages that I have available. I've left a link in the show notes for you. All right. Until next time, that's it for today. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your lovely, luscious, long week. Bye for now. <laughs>